Sometimes God speaks to us through the Bible and the message is so powerful that if we don't heed it and hear it, well, we suffer quite a bit. And that's what I'd like to specifically address today. Welcome to Unity Without Compromise. I'm your host, Dr. Steve LaTulip, and I am so glad you're with me today. A few weeks ago, I actually mentioned that the Bible says straight up, do not be deceived. Now, in a time such as ours, I would say that's rather important advice because we are most certainly living in an age when a huge fraction of the entire world has been deceived by globalists and by all these other foul-smelling souls who are doing absolutely all they can to deceive you and me. And in so doing, they have caused many of us great harm, and they have destroyed some of us, literally taken our lives. The question that I had to answer in my own mind as I read certain passages where the message is, do not be deceived, well, I had to ask myself that if we actually took God's own advice from the scriptures, would we actually be spared any real harm? And that's what I'd like you to really think about as we go through a few passages today and apply them directly to our lives, directly to what is happening right now in America, in the world, in our own cities, in our families, and in our own hearts. Because I think my conclusion can only be that if we ignore that advice, do not be deceived, I think we're going to pray, actually pay a real price. It's going to cost us something. I think you might actually appreciate what you hear today, because the, the fact is, if we really are a Christian nation, and there's no doubt in my mind that a Christian nation gave us the free nation, the most free nation in the entire world, a nation where the hope was liberty and justice for all because we were all created equal, and that is equal with opportunity to pursue a godly life. And that's what made America great. But if we really are a Christian nation, that is one nation under God, that can only mean one thing. And it means that the Bible is our standard. And you've heard me say that many, many times. The Bible contains everything God wanted us to know. Unfortunately, sometimes even when we do read it, we don't always get it right. And that's because we fail in an honest interpretation of Scripture. And I assure you that happens an awful lot in this day and age. There have been many false teachers, many false prophets who claim to be prophets, and I'll talk a little about that today. But it's a problem because if we don't get the message right, then we will be deceived. 
And that's exactly what inspired me to write my book, Unity Without Compromise, a biblical basis for Christian union. We simply have to do justice to the words if we are going to benefit from them. So I want to look at five specific verses of scripture today. And in each of the five verses are the words, do not be deceived. Five times where it is actually spelled out. And we ought to pay attention to these words because you can be sure that if God said in his words, do not be deceived, then there's a high probability that the possibility of being deceived is real. It could happen to you and to me. Now, there's a lot of do's and don'ts in the Bible, and the topic of deception itself and the word deception is found everywhere in Scripture from the first book to the very last. In Genesis, the first book of the Bible in the Old Testament, in chapter 3 of Genesis, we read the story where Eve was deceived by the serpent into eating a forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that there were two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God said, do not eat the fruit from those trees. And ever since then, life has been very hard when Eve was deceived. I mean, that's obviously when Democrats entered the world, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, Democrats are evil in this day. They are not Democrats, but I'm not talking about that right now. Now, if you go to the opposite end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 20 and verse 10, we read that the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever. So you can see that deception is a theme throughout the entire Bible, sandwiched between those two verses of Scripture in Genesis and Revelation are many, many hundreds of other warnings. But today, I want to talk about the five times that we are directly warned and told through the words, do not be deceived. Now, God is speaking here to those who are sincere in heart, because we have to realize that sometimes God has actually caused some evil-minded people to be deceived, okay? And we have to acknowledge the power of God. God can do that. Now, would God do that to someone who loves him and who is seeking him with their whole heart? Of course not. He is a just God. But if you read back in Exodus chapter 4, in verse 21, God says that he will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he did that very thing. Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt. He was the one responsible for enslaving the Israelites at that time. And we read also of the great apostasy, which is a falling away. That is going to happen, the Bible says, before Jesus returns to earth for judgment. When Jesus comes back a second time, he will be there to judge us. And the judgment will be based on whether or not 
people were deceived because those who are deceived are deceived simply for one reason, because they reject God's truth and recall that all truth is God's truth. We are told that God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. So you can see that God will cause some people to be deluded, to be hardened in their hearts, to be deceived. In other words, if you insist on rejecting the truth, okay, have it your way. That's what God is saying. Now, that's a real scary thing to me, and I wouldn't even want to think about being in that position. However, if your heart is open and you actually do love God's truth, you're much, much less apt to be deceived. And remember this, that deception in its final end is death. And that's not a good thing. And we're seeing that right now in this world that we live in, aren't we? I mean, look at all those who were deceived into believing the lies of the pandemic. How many people went along with the deception that masks were helpful, that, that we should distance ourselves from one another, and we should lock down our businesses, and now that we should take this toxic shot that they are still pushing and now trying to push in a new injection called the smallpox vaccine from monkeypox. Now, a lot of people are deceived. And that makes a statement. And the statement is that maybe a whole lot of people are really not interested in the truth. I don't know. There's no way I can determine that for myself. But all I can say is what the Bible says. If your heart is open to the truth and you seek it, you will find it. We have to understand that when God says, do not be deceived, we ought not to be deceived because we gave heed to the words. And so it is very, very important and worth knowing and understanding the warnings. Do not be deceived. Now, I'm a human being, and I assure you that when I speak, my words are not inspired. That is, they are not protected by God. And so I want to warn you even about me, because I could also be leading you astray. And how do you know that? And I say that specifically because I want to warn you what the, the Bible also says, and it comes down to sound Bible interpretation. When somebody wants to pull a verse out of Scripture and tell you it means something, you have to be very, very careful because there is a, a, an act called proof texting, and proof texting is taking a verse from Scripture and making that verse say whatever fits your narrative. And that's very, very dangerous. That's how a lot of people are misled with a lot of principles taught in Scripture. So when anybody pulls a verse of scripture um, out of the Bible and takes it completely out of context, beware, okay, because that is proof texting, and this can be very, very dangerous. 
what we want to do is make the Bible say exactly what God wanted it to say. And there's only one way to do that, and that is to put it into the context of the Bible. Remember, the first rule of sound Bible interpretation is that context is king. We must put every verse of scripture into context. And so I will challenge you to do that. And it's a very simple thing to do. All you do is consider the verses before the passage of scripture that you're citing and the verses after, and then put it into a more expanded context of what book are you in? Because if it's in the book of the gospel, we're talking of the life of Christ. If it's in a few other letters that, say, the apostle Paul wrote, he might be talking about a specific topic, and that is part of the context. And then expand it even further. Is it in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Because according to sound interpretation, you never interpret the New Testament from the Old Testament. It's just the opposite. The New Testament explains the Old Testament. So be very, very careful about that. But let's get into those five times when God says, do not be deceived, and see if you are deceived. The first passage I'm going to read is in Luke chapter 21. That's in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. Luke 21, and I'll read verses 8 and 9. And he, meaning Jesus, said, take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first. But when the but the end will not come immediately. Now, putting things into context, who was Jesus speaking to? He was speaking to his apostles specifically. And you must be very careful because when he says you, he's meaning you, the apostles, not necessarily you and me, the universal you. And a lot of people make that mistake. We have to put it into the context that Jesus is saying, the, the, he is saying these words to his apostles, and he is answering them based on a couple of questions. And these questions are, what, when will the temple be destroyed, and what will be the signs of your second coming, the end of the age? And this is Luke's recording of Jesus' answer to the disciples' question. When will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the signs of the end of the age? Now, the temple, we know, was destroyed in A.D. 70, and that fits the narrative in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, which I discussed several weeks ago. Um, that means that some things would happen within a generation of, those, uh, of that time that Jesus spoke those words, and that, in fact, did happen, because the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. That was less than 40 years after Jesus spoke the words, and 40 years is considered a generation. And the warning that that we are given in this passage by Jesus is to not be deceived 
by those who claim to be God, and that is Jesus. And also do not be deceived by those who start preaching that the end is near. Now, isn't that interesting? Because that's all we hear about. Everybody's saying these days, oh, we are near the end times. These are biblical times. Well, we've always been in biblical times ever since the creation of the world. So that really doesn't make sense. But I know what they're saying. They're saying, oh, they're saying the end is near. Do you get it? God said, don't do that. Do not be deceived by those who start preaching that the end is near. Now, why do you say that? Well, first of all, when you start focusing on those sort of things, like, oh, is this happening? You get into the, the end times prophecy. Look at how much deception has been associated with that. And I assure you, it is still happening and perhaps more today than ever before. But everybody who has predicted Christ's second return has been wrong, 100% wrong. And there were a lot of people who made those claims, very famous people, very, very renowned theologians and biblical scholars, and they were flat wrong. So don't think that a Bible scholar is necessarily an accurate speaker of God's word, because that is not true. We are warned, do not be deceived by those who claim to be God or Jesus. And by those who preach, the end is near. Don't follow them. Don't listen to them. Because the more you focus on that, the more that you will find yourself pursuing an unholy fascination. And I say that because God said, don't do it. Now, remember, we don't know the day. We do not know the day of Christ's return. We are told he will return at the time that only the Father knows, and therefore, we must always be prepared. And let me just say this. If you're waiting for a rapture and thinking your end is near, you might want to think again, okay? I know this is the common doctrine of our time, but even in the Lord's real prayer, that is in John 17, and if you go to verse 15 of John 17, the Lord's prayer, Jesus stated regarding his disciples, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus was praying to the Father, and he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Yet so many modern Christians, American Christians, who have been taught certain things feel like, oh, you know, when the times get tough, I'm going to be out of here. I'm checking out so I don't have to worry about this. It doesn't matter. I don't have to do anything because I trust in God. Beware of that deception. Do not be deceived because you don't know when the end is coming. And if you allow scripture to interpret scripture, and if you permit the New Testament to explain the Old Testament just exactly as the New Testament authors themselves did, then you will come to a very different conclusion than what is so commonly preached in the feel-good churches of America. 
So we have been warned. Many, he says, will come in my name saying two things. I am he. If somebody says, I am Jesus, don't believe anyone who claims to be Jesus. Because when Jesus returns again, as he said he would return for judgment, I guarantee you, you'll know it. Everybody will know it. There'll be no doubt whatsoever, no room for any deception. We will know it beyond any doubt. But there's other people who might say, I am he, in a very camouflaged way. And that's what you have to be careful about. Because that warning to not be deceived about those who come in my name, Jesus said, and saying, I am he, that includes those who claim to be prophets. There are no modern day prophets. The Bible is complete, the word of God is written, and we are told to test all things in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So beware of those who call themselves prophets. The word prophetes in the Greek means a spokesman for God. Now, if we are told to test all things, anybody that speaks to you anything and says, God said this or that, God said, I'm coming back soon, be ready, because it's going to happen before this date, you are listening to a false prophet, you are listening to someone is, who is claiming, in essence, to be God, like the vicar, okay, taking the place of God, you're being deceived. And when they start preaching, the end is near, you are being deceived. See, if you don't recognize the warnings, you're going to be deceived. No human can claim inspiration. The Bible is written, it is complete, and you would have to change the meaning of the words in order to deceive people. And we see how that happened. Look at how they changed the meaning, the definition of the word vaccine, right? A lot of people were deceived, so be careful. And when somebody comes to you saying the time has drawn near, get ready because he's coming real soon. My preacher, my pastor said so. My rabbi told me this or that's going to happen. Be careful, okay? Don't believe anyone who is coming with a message that the sky is falling. Why? Because you will know it when Christ returns when he comes unexpectedly as a thief in the night, there will be no doubt in anybody's mind. You will see it and recognize it. And I'm using you in the universal context. Everybody will know it. So we won't know the day or hour. And if we don't know the day and hour, who in this world is qualified to tell you the time is near? Nobody. Okay, so let's go to a second verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'll read verses 9 through 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters 
nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, context. I've taken this out of context. We know that this is a warning because we are told, do not be deceived. There's certain types of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're just point blank told that. But we have to put it into context. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, which was very much a problem church. In fact, it pretty much had all the problems that we have in our modern day churches today, and that's the message for us. But when we read that, we see that people who willfully and pridefully practice this sort of sinful lifestyle that is described in these verses are those who reject God. And this passage makes that very clear. So the fornicators, the idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous ones, drunkards, extortioners, revilers, these are people who practice a lifestyle of sin. It's not, oh, you know what? I stole once. I lied once. Uh, am, am I excluded from the kingdom of heaven? Well, of course not. And the context of this passage makes that very clear. Because if you read in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you read, and such were some of you, were past tense. Okay, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now, we know that the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sins if we repent, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ for the purpose of salvation. And recognize also, this is not an exclusive or exhaustive list of sins. I mean, I don't see in those words murderers, okay? Except you could put it under thieves, because if you are murdered, you have had your life stolen. But all of these sins are serious, and if you are pridefully participating in those sins, sort of like gay pride, right, you will not inherit the kingdom of God because God says so. But all of these sins are forgivable. And let's remember this. When the Bible says, do not judge, it is speaking of judgment regarding salvation, returning, uh, regarding someone's eternal life or eternal destiny. God alone decides who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. And yes, there is a heaven and a hell. We don't hear that preached uh, very often these days either. But God says there is, and God himself is the only just judge. But he has warned us. Don't think that you can celebrate this type of lifestyle and get away with it. That's not going to happen. If you, can, if you think you can take all these trips you want to Epstein Island, for example, and have no consequences, you're fooling yourself. You're deceived. If you continue a habitual pattern of drunken revelry, of womanizing, of cheating people, abusing people, taking advantage 
of your neighbor. And if you think you can go and confess your sins to another sinful man, like a priest, well, the Bible says you're deceived because that ain't going to happen either. In fact, nowhere in the New Testament are we ever told to confess to a priest because we now have direct access to our high priest, Jesus Christ. But the Bible does say to confess our sins. In fact, in James chapter 5, verse 16, we are told, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We all can and should forgive, by the way. And when we do wrong to another, we should be quick to apologize, it, confess it and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was wrong. See, we don't fall apart when we say that. And yeah, I've had to say that to my wife, sometimes to my children. I've had to say that to other people because I am not a perfect human being. But we should confess our sins to one another. And then in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he, meaning God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, there's no intermediary there. There's no mediator. There is no mortal who has the power to cleanse us from sin. God alone can do this. And so, good people, we have been warned. Do not be deceived. If we take pleasure in our sinful lives and call our sinful actions good, when God says just the opposite, God says that you will be kept from inheriting the kingdom of God. It means we are deceived. We lie to ourselves. We betray our own spirit. Beware of that because many, many churches, as you see, are promoting things like abortion. Oh, God approves of abortion. Of course he does. That's a lie. God says it's okay to molest children. God says this and God says that. Well, you better know your Bible because if God doesn't say that, then you will be deceived. It doesn't matter who tells you what. Our opinions as church leaders, as Christians, as human beings, our opinions really matter nothing in the context of what is important and what is true. The standard is the Bible and the Bible only. Well, I'm going to take a short break and we'll be back and we will discuss more verses about how not to be deceived. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. 
Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Welcome back. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latula. This program airs every weekend at 12 and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It also then goes to podcast, and you can catch all my podcasts as well as my weekly columns at AmericaOutloud.com. And while you're there, please check out the great list of patriots that we have who are making tremendous contributions to the truth and to American liberty and to justice. I wrote a book and my book called Unity Without Compromise, a biblical basis for Christian union really stresses one thing, that unity can only be based on sound interpretation. And the importance of sound interpretation cannot be overemphasized. I have to tell you that. We must do justice to the scriptures. And today I'm putting on my theological hat and I'm discussing five warnings from the Bible that tell us specifically to not be deceived. And they are important admonitions that might actually make our lives happier and healthier and a whole lot more peaceful. And that's why I want to share this with you today. I've already discussed Luke chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. Many will come in my name, Jesus said, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. The time has drawn near. And God said, don't believe him. Do not believe it if you are told that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, we are told, do not be deceived, because those who practice evil, and celebrate it, are spiritually dead, and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Judgment is coming. And now, let's go on to a third warning. 
a third verse of scripture. This is also found in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, verse 33. Here it is. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, there's five very simple little words that have a tremendous profound meaning. Evil company corrupts good habits. Good parents teach this principle to their children. You might have been told, choose your friends wisely. Be careful who you hang around with. Sure, that's what this passage means, but it means a whole lot more than that. We are told that evil company corrupts good habits. Now, evil company includes a lot of people. It's not just your friends. It's not just your family that we're talking about here, if there can be such a thing, and you know there is. But what about co-workers? What about other family members who might be focused on doing evil? What about a boyfriend or a girlfriend who thinks completely differently and who perhaps spends a whole lot of time doing evil things? Evil company can be just about anybody. And quite frankly, there is no way that we can completely avoid evil company. And that's probably why God gave us this warning. Because evil company literally can be your mate, your child, your parent, your sibling. It can be your closest friend. Now, I've spent a fair amount of time in the presence of evil company, as it's defined. I used to work a long time ago, before I ever went to medical school or graduate school, I was working as a framer. And there was a time that I was working as a pipe fitter. And you know that sometimes in the trades, you can be around some pretty rough people. And I did. I worked around them day in and day out, and I would definitely define them as evil company. They drank, they cussed, they ridiculed their own wives, they mocked them, they did not practice good things, and they were not interested in wholesome things. And when I was around them, I had to be very, very careful because I spent a working day with them. I have been around some past aviators, specifically if you can picture the traditional fighter pilot mentality, and I assure you I didn't like it sometimes because they were cocky and they were womanizers and it was not good company being around them. Where do good habits come from? Because evil company corrupts good habits. I suppose we should even ask ourselves first, do I have any good habits? Well, hopefully you do, because they should be taught in the home. Parents should be teaching good habits to their children, like courtesy, common courtesy, kindness, gentleness, selflessness, 
caring about others, doing things not only for your own good, but for the good of your neighbor so that others can benefit as well. Do I have any good habits? Hopefully. But sometimes the instruction that we were supposed to get at home just doesn't happen. Our parents can fail us. And so many homes in the present day exist in a condition where God is not even mentioned. The Bible, if you mention the Bible to the children, they would have no idea what you're even talking about. That's concerning. We have to ask ourselves in this warning to not be deceived. Am I evil company or am I good company? And that depends totally on your standard. In medicine, I was taught good habits. Learn and study hard and keep up on the latest developments in medicine so that I can offer my patients the best. That was good habits in medicine. Give patients the time that they need. And first, do no harm. And always put the patient and the patient's health and welfare first. Put the patient before yourself. Sometimes that takes a lot of hours away from your life. But those are good habits for the sake of someone else. Now, I can assure you this, if I chose to practice medicine right now as the government wanted me to do it, I surely would have corrupted those good habits. And sadly, the great majority of doctors have done that very thing. They have become evil company. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. As a husband... Am I good company or evil company? Do I treat my wife like she is a precious, fine china? Do I build her up or do I break her down? Do I protect her? Do I cherish her? Do I make her the object of my affection over all other women? See, those are good habits. Do I practice good habits? Or am I perhaps evil company in my wife's presence? As a parent, what kind of an example am I setting for my children? I can say all the words I want. I can even teach them biblical principles. But guess what? They are watching my behavior. Now, my children are all raised, and I am enjoying two grandchildren right now, two boys, and it is absolutely wonderful. And always on the forefront of my mind is how to be good company to my grandchildren, because I want to raise them. I want to help raise them to be godly people who will do this world some good. But we must recognize the principle that if we spend time together with people who are a bad influence, whose habits are habitually evil, then I guarantee you they will corrupt our good habits. And we have to avoid that. And if we think we are above it, 
then we are deceiving ourselves because God specifically gave us that warning. Take heed to yourself because it's going to happen if you let your guard down. Beware of evil company. Do you work in the government in some capacity? Beware. The Bible teaches us good habits, and good habits are godly habits. So try to spend time hanging around godly people and try to be yourself one of those people. Well, a third verse of scripture, Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. Now, you've heard that saying in a number of different ways. What goes around comes around. Oh, it's just karma. You know, you had it coming to you. You got what you deserve. You reap what you sow. But pay attention to the words. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now, a lot of people do mock God. A lot of people do reject God. But when we are told that God is not mocked, what meaning does that have? It means don't think you are fooling God by your evil behaviors. Even when you mock God with your words and through your actions, it's going to have consequences. In other words, when we are told God is not mocked, it means don't think that it won't catch up with you because it will. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you, we are told in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 38. In other words, if you sow good seed, you will yield a strong harvest. God is not marked for whatever you sow. Whatever deeds you do, it's going to come back on you. You will reap the works of what you have generated, what you have produced, what you have done in your life. If you sow good seed, you will yield a good crop. And this applies to this life and the here and now as well as the afterlife. It's something that we should absolutely take very, very seriously. It's such a simple verse with such profound meaning. Well, there's another verse, the fifth one that I wanted to discuss. And this is a, a very interesting verse. And I think a lot of people actually miss the point on this. And this is in the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus. He is the author of a short letter with just a few chapters in the latter part of the New Testament. In James chapter one, I'll read verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now, that sounds like maybe a rather obvious statement to some, but to others, it might just be an absolutely absurd statement. If you think of who we are as Americans, you know, we once very proudly 
sang joyfully about our nation, God shed his grace on thee. You know, we once also showed our gratitude to a gracious God who did shed his grace on us. And we showed that gratitude by paying it forward, by showing kindness to our neighbors, even to our allies, and yes, also to our enemies. When we conquered nations, we helped to build them up. Didn't we do that with Japan, with Germany? We once pledged our allegiance to our flag and to the God-given free republic for which it stands. Remember those days? It wasn't that long ago. Now, some of us still sing that song so proudly and with much joy. My country, tis of thee. It still shows that we do have gratitude to God, and we show that gratitude by serving him and simply doing our best to obey him. And when we do that, there are blessings to be reaped. It's almost as if we become a great nation, a prosperous nation, by doing God's will, because we recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And God does not change. If we become evil, God remains good. God bestows every good gift upon us. I hope you're still singing that great song, because it means that we are agreeing with God. We agree with God when we say what he calls good, we declare to be good and wholesome. And what he calls sin and evil, likewise, we must never call it good or pursue it in evil pride, like gay pride, like everything else that is being pushed into the minds of our children. God has a plan for you and I, and that plan is a gift. It is a good gift and a perfect gift when we do things his way. But if we call abortion good, and if we say there's nothing wrong with snuffing the life of the most innocent of our human population, we are guilty of pride. We are guilty of rejecting a gift from God. What does God say about children? The fruit of the womb is a reward, he says. It's a reward. It is a gift from God. And if you destroy that gift, you are doing evil. But turning our heads and pretending that we don't see the abuse of our children in public schools because of all this sexual perversion, critical race theory, communist and Marxist doctrine all day long, and absence of learning truth and useful knowledge in schools? Do we just ignore that? Because if we do, then we are failing to recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above from the father of lights. Every time we turn our head when we see evil and do not speak up, do not shed light on the world, then we are participating in the evil of the enemy. That's why God says, I hate 
I detest those who straddle the fence. Don't be lukewarm, as he said to the church in Laodicea. That's in the book of Revelation. If you think that every good thing that you enjoy comes from your government or even from yourself, you are severely deceived. And that's why James says, do not be deceived. You will pay a price. And the price of deceiving your own heart is great. If the government is caring for you right now, you are a slave to that government. If the government is feeding and clothing you right now, you're receiving a paycheck from your government. And that money comes from others who are laboring. And if you don't work when you are able to work, perhaps just making up an excuse for your laziness, you are a handicapped sloth who deserves nothing. And you will amount to nothing. And that is what the Bible says. If you are financially well off, you're rich, and you think you deserve all the wealth and prosperity you have because you say, hey, I've earned it. I've worked hard. I've studied hard. I've learned what I need to learn. And I've done this, achieved it with my own hands. These gifts come from me, and I deserve them. Well, let me say, you are deceived by your riches. We live in a propaganda world, and sure thing, for sure, Things do not seem to be getting better. They are getting worse. Deceivers seem to be getting more evil and more deceptive all the time. Even in deceiving themselves, we are led from one lie to the next. And it's becoming so rampant that we can hardly keep up with all the deception. So many people that we thought we could trust have deceived us. And a person that comes to mind is Mike Pence. How could he have betrayed his nation the way he did? And look at who he has been supporting and endorsing to run for government positions. We've been disappointed by rhinos and by scientists and by some 85% of all medical doctors. The fact is that things are going to get worse before they get better. 2 Timothy 3.13 says... Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That's really important. Truth itself comes from God. Truth is a gift that comes down from the Father of lights. That's who we should be learning from. And God's principles are the very things we must continue in doing. All else belongs to the deceiver, the serpent, and everyone who hates the truth. Well, I think it's safe to say that America right now is on the brink of something big. It's going to be something really big good or something really big evil. And I'm hoping it's good. I honestly don't know if we're going to make it to November 8th. Every day, we are facing new deceptions, more threats, greater disappointments. Things are getting worse. The economy is getting worse. Now they are talking in earnest 
about putting aside cash and coming up with digital currency so they can fully control us. Do you realize the seriousness of that event? It is based on deception. They tell you it's good, but they are lying. You know, as a soldier, I long to fight this war actively. Time is running out. And as a medical doctor, I am absolutely ashamed of medical professionals with Nazi hearts. They would be better off dead than continuing the evil they do. They have deceived themselves. As a Christian minister, I want to urge Americans to open their Bibles and learn God's ways, because if you don't, you will be deceived. We all will be deceived when we reject those good words. And as one who has been redeemed as a member of God's family, I do long for the Lord's return. But as long as I am in this world, I will contend for the faith, for truth, and for my fellow man. I hope that you share the spirit with me, and I hope that you put your beliefs into action. If you have never done it, now is a time for boldness, for courage, for words of truth to be spoken. You have to stop fearing and do not be deceived. Truth is available to everyone who seeks it. We all have an opportunity to know, to recognize, to seek and find the truth. We have been warned. And if we heed the warnings, do not be deceived, we'll not be in that handbasket to hell. But we will be living for a risen Savior, and we will be his people. And the world will be a better place for you and I being there. You've been listening to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve Latula. Put it into practice. Don't be deceived. Be good company. Until next week, adieu.